morning and good coffee, everybody. This is Morning Coffee with Larry, and I hope you are all doing well and having a good day today. Um, I didn't even have to use my alarm. I woke up at 4.08. My intention was 4.15, so I am up. Coffee is brewed. The dog, when I turned on the light, she looked at me and tucked her head in <laughs> a little bit more in her little uh, little doggy bed so she wouldn't see the light. And uh, so I'm, I'm just kind of enjoying the quiet of the morning with a cat on the couch. Cat's been looking at me. Cat's looking at me like, you're bothering me. <laughs> just kind of keeps looking at me. So I've turned my back to her, so. Anyway, glad you've joined with me today. Today is uh, is is one of those more solemn days, and it is uh, September eleventh, two thousand nineteen, and it was eighteen years ago today that the world changed. And it wasn't just because something happened to America, but something became visible to the world in a new way. And I've been kind of reflecting over the past several hours, uh, yesterday evening and, and just in getting up this morning, thinking about that particular day. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is uh, what happened on September 11th, 2000, I'm sorry, yeah, 2001, but what, what kind of happened to me? It was a Tuesday, and I woke up, I had a morning psychology class, I was adjunct faculty at the time for Lakeland College, and I had uh, an 8 a.m. class filled with kids of varying ages, from 18 up to, you know, returning students from, uh, uh, from adulthood. And I don't remember what the topic was that we were going to be covering in class, but I was getting prepped to teach that class. I was married to my first wife at the time and had two kids. And they were, let's see, okay, so uh, my son was four and my daughter was two. And uh, I, uh, headed off to teach the class, and then afterwards I was going to be giving a presentation at our local hospital on coping with uh, chronic illness and coping with new diagnoses of diabetes, working with a dietitian uh, over there at the hospital. So that was my plans in the morning. I was doing my private practice full-time at that point, so after... Um, after the morning, I was going to come home, have lunch, and then I had afternoon appointments. And while teaching, I started getting, um, 
well, we would call them text messages now, but it was what what they called an alpha pager, which for you younger folks out there, it was it was a little walk around pager that kind of like had a uh, uh, you could send type and send a message uh, to somebody with one of these pagers. They just couldn't respond back, but it was a way of sending something more than just a phone number. You could send text, kind of like sending a message, uh, you know, a text message one way. And I started getting these messages from my wife that said, somebody firebombed the Twin Towers or the World Trade Center. And I looked at that and I just kind of paused and I'm looking at my class and I said, well, my wife just sent this message. And then there came another one that was something to the regard of, oh my God, the uh, a plane has hit the other tower. And I read that nervously to the class. Then I got a message that said, oh my God, people are jumping out the windows. It's horrible. And we were all just kind of stunned with what these messages were. And I decided, you know what, let's just dismiss class for today and see what's going on. And I quickly went down to the computer lab and I pulled up the Drudge Report website, news site, and the headline had... Um, there was this, like a, a flashing, twirling police light from on top, you know, old style one from on a police car. And the question that was, that was written there in the headline was, who's doing this to us? And that was my introduction to something great big was happening. I hopped in my car to, uh, to head out. And I can tell you probably the time of it. It was um, 8.59. And uh, I had turned on the radio, and the local station was preempted by ABC Radio News. And they had, I forget the name of the guy, but he was one of their regular newscasters. And he, uh, he was talking, and then all of a sudden he just stopped, you know, because he's seeing video feed, and I'm just listening on the radio as I get into the car to head to the hospital. Um, and he said, oh, my God, the tower is falling. And you could, uh, you could just kind of envision, you know, from his voice the, the absolute horror of what was taking place. And I drove to the hospital and the entrance I went into, there was a TV right near, right at the entrance where there was a little waiting room and everybody was just standing there. And I walked in and they were showing it live. And that's when it really sunk in that something was happening. 
I then proceeded to go to the floor, to the classroom, where I had people that were there. And uh, that was a hard class to teach because I was so extremely distracted. But I taught it. I think they were distracted too. And after that, I headed to, um, headed home. And my mom was over. She, uh, <laughs> my mom always loved ironing. She doesn't iron anymore, but she always loved ironing. And she was standing in the kitchen ironing with the TV on. And, uh, because of what was going on. And my kids were at the table, you know, kind of asking questions about what was happening. My wife was on the computer. She knew some people in a, through a chat room that was from New York and was getting some updates from them as to what was taking place. Um, one of them was a person who was in a building in Manhattan, not far from the World Trade Center. And after the buildings collapsed, was saying that there was so much dust and debris that they couldn't see out the windows of their building. And the, the dust was kind of piling up almost like snow on the window ledge. That afternoon, in a state of shock still, Uh, taking into account everything that had been taking place. I went down to my counseling office, and I had three or four sessions that afternoon. And as you can imagine, um, there was only one topic that people wanted to talk about. It was a very overwhelming day for everybody, everybody in this nation. We were getting reports, you know, as the news traveled the world, um, where some people were in mourning and that some people were in celebration. And the, the fact that people were mourning did not, I guess, surprise me. And I don't think that surprised a lot of people. That's what you kind of do. But those in celebration, I think, created, um, I'm not sure how I would describe it, but it created a kind of an awakening. And that's probably what I think happened to our nation over the upcoming days and weeks was an awakening, a a loss of innocence. Not that we were an innocent nation, but a loss of a perceived innocence that, you know, we were, you know, across oceans from people that would do us harm. And here was something that happened in New York City, in, you know, in the the area of Washington, D.C., as well as a foiled attempt that came down in a field in Pennsylvania. And that, that there was 
that there was something evil planned. And, uh, and this evil plan was implemented. And I guess you could say there was, there was the thought that the people who celebrated an evil plan must be evil. But there was such an overwhelm that, um, you know, it's kind of like, what do you do? Of course, when this took place, uh, all airspace in the United States was immediately shut down. Every plane in the air had to land at its nearest airport. The, uh, the U.S. military, the Air Force, was not going to take a chance. As soon as they realized what was happening, they closed all airspace. And there were planes that were not adhering to it that found themselves with fighter jets sending them messages to change course and go to the nearest airport that could accommodate them. I had a um, friend whose husband was a pilot. And uh, if I remember right, he was flying to Michigan on his little small private airplane that day. And he got word that he needed to put down at the nearest airport. But, you know, he could put down at a teeny tiny airport where there would be no transportation available. And uh, so he dropped below radar <laughs> and uh, uh, basically flew at almost treetop level to get to where his destination was, put down his plane, then rented a car to drive back home. They had a son that was, I believe, in California that was flying home and got stuck out there. I remember a day or so later, taking my son, who was old enough to understand what was going on up to the farm, because whenever he, we would come up here, he would comment on the uh, contrails up in the air, you know, the, the lines that the planes make. And we went up there because I said, I want to show you something that you will never, ever see again. And so we went up there and and we looked, and it was a beautiful, beautiful blue sky. And I said, what do you see up there that's missing? What's missing from this? And he said, there's no lines. And I said, yeah. This is going to be the only time, because eventually they're going to open up the, the skies again, and planes can travel. And you're going to see lines again. So try your best to remember, this is what the sky looks like when there is no lines. <sighs> the next day, the 12th, was a very interesting day because it didn't matter what political party you were, what race you were, what whether you were rich or poor, man or woman, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. You came together as an American. I remember the TV uh, was showing a, a, 
a church that was in uh, New York. I don't remember which one it was, but it was absolutely packed, and the area around it was just flooded with people packed in as they were turning to God after this horrible tragedy. They were turning to God. Um, that day, the 12th, I had so much that was swelling up inside of me as I tried to just take things in. I mean, plain and simple, everybody you talked to was in a state of shock. In a state of shock. And the only thing I can compare it to would be when Pearl Harbor was hit by the Japanese there on uh, December 7th in 41. And here we are on September 11th, 2001. I sat down at my computer and I felt the need to pray, as a lot of people did. And I decided I was going to pray, and I was just going to type what I felt like was happening to me, what my prayer was, and what, what God was saying to me, if he was going to say something to me. And uh, I'm not sure if there was tears in my eyes. I know that I had a lot of swelled up eyes on that day. And I, uh, when I was done, I had an interesting prayer. And I prayed it out loud as I read it. And um, I liked it. And I, I had s several websites at that time that I used to, to keep up with and run. And I wound up posting it on that website. And I, I emailed it to some friends to see if it you know, would give them some sort of comfort. And it, it kind of started making the rounds. I actually had at that time, within a few days, a uh, an American Legion. I'm not sure if it was a post or a, or if it was a state organization, but they contacted me and asked if if I would give them permission to run it in either a newsletter or in their their magazine or something. It's like, yeah, you you can. And over the years, I've kind of forgotten about the prayer. The website changed. Um, I redid it. I took down a bunch of stuff. The prayer wound up coming down uh, because time had passed. And I and all of a sudden this morning, that prayer that I called the nine one one prayer um, popped back into my mind. And so I thought, I wonder if it's somewhere, if Google knows where a copy may still exist. 
And so I typed that in, 911 prayer in my name. And there was one thing that popped up. I don't know this newspaper. It's called the Canada Free Press. And they had a copy. There's no comment on it. But there's a copy. And I thought, tell you what. I'm going to just read it this morning. I haven't read through it in years, and I haven't read through it all this morning. So if I stumble a little bit, please, please uh, forgive me. But it was a prayer out of the heart of a hurting child praying to his heavenly father. Let me get a sip of coffee. and It says... Heavenly Father, at times like this, we don't know what to say, what to feel, what to do. We cry, we stare, we burn with anger, we cry some more. When our lives, our nation, seem to quiver and quake as to what to do next, we are drawn to you. When we cannot stand ourselves because the burden is too great, we turn to you. When the pain is too much to bear, we turn to you. When we have lost friends, family, and faith in this world, we turn to you. We turn to you now, O God. With tears in our eyes and a lump in our throat, we turn to you. O Lord, What do we do? And you tell us, stand up, for I am with you. If you turn your face towards me, you will find me facing you. Stand up, for I am with you. I will protect and comfort my own through the pains of the day and the cries of the night. I will comfort the widow, the parent, and especially the child. I will give you a peace that passes all human understanding if you will turn towards me. You will rise for my sake and for my glory. You will heal for my sake and for my glory. You will have strength for my sake and for my glory. Turn to me and I will make you whole. Heal us, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your promises made and promises kept. Amen. (sighs) Wow, that brings back a lot of emotion and a lot of memories. You know, it was a few days after that was, um, I think it was the Country Music Awards. And Alan Jackson sang a song that he composed at about the same time. And it was called, uh, Do You Remember? And it was... uh, a very appropriate song for what people were still feeling in that state of shock as to what took place. 
There was another musical artist, Toby Keith, who not long after that, as as we start to understand what was happening, what was taking place, who did the attack, where they were, and it was coming time for a response. Toby Keith wrote a song called The Angry American. And I think that's one of the things that we do. We, um, we express things. When we don't express, sometimes bad things happen inside of us. When we express, you know, it gives us that outlet. Um, and I think that kind of applies to a lot of situations. You know, when we, um, if we just hold everything in, we kind of isolate and we don't get feedback from other people. A lot of times things can get really negative in our head really fast and we need to express it. And some people do it in a more creative way, and some people kind of express it in a blunt way. And I don't care necessarily which way. We just need to take a deep breath and get some of that stuff out. Eighteen years has passed. And it's something just in having this conversation with you over coffee. It, um, it has stirred a lot of, of memories, healed memories. I mean, it's not, these aren't trigger memories for me. These aren't, you know, my heart's not pounding like it did that day. But there, there are also memories where there's a sadness that I, that I feel. Because in those 18 years since, the world has been very different from the 18 years prior. 18 years prior takes us back, goodness, what would that be? Happened in 2001, you go back 1991. So, I'm not doing good math this morning. April. What would be 2003? Does that sound right? Wow, year I graduated high school. Yeah, the 80s were a very different time. And uh, the world's a very different place today. What would have happened if that had not happened? What would have happened? Where would we be? What would our culture, what would life be like? What would the world be like if the people who planned these and similar evil deeds had not done that. Just an interesting thought. Somebody had posted um, kind of a screenshot of their, their alarm on their uh, iPhone. They had set the times of what happened that day. And... Uh, put it into their phone with a description of, you know, like where you set what the alarm is for. 
Let me just read through because this all did happen in short order. This is in Eastern Time. At 8.46, North Tower was struck. At 9.03, the South Tower was struck. At 9.37, the Pentagon was struck. At 9.59, the South Tower collapses. At 10.07, Flight 93 crashes in Pennsylvania. And at 10.28, the North Tower collapses. Less than two hours. Less than two hours and those major events were done. Um, of course, this all just started the horrors that had to be dealt with over many, many, many months there in lower Manhattan. A few years ago, my wife and I and uh, our kids, we joined the kids uh, in their band trip to New York City, and we went to the 9-11 Memorial. If you ever get a chance to go there, you need to. There's a tree there that miraculously survived the attack. It's something. I'd talk more about it, but my little countdown clock is just about 15 seconds from <laughs> shutting this off. So I will let you go for today. I know it's not a typical morning coffee, but hope you understand. Have a good one. Take care. God bless.